this week's story on Enrich Your Mind. Another Exit. Written by Umim Umbot Umana. Voiced and produced by Oladurupo Baluk. Donga had resurfaced for the third time. He held the side of the cano and the bucket of sand was hauled back by Didier inside the cano. Donga took deep breaths. He heaved lightly. He wiped the water from his face. He blew bubbles from his mouth as he exhaled. His upper torso was well chiseled. The bucket was emptied and handed back to Donga. Donga took a last breath, upturned the bucket and let himself into the sea with the bucket that was attached to a rope. Donga dived down the bottom of the river, about 20 feet deep. He scooped sand from the seabed, filled the bucket and started the upward maneuver. The current was dragging the boat. After about 50 seconds, Donga resurfaced, wiped his face, took some deep breaths of air while Didier pulled the bucket up and emptied the sand into the cano. The cycle repeated itself. Each time the bucket of sand was tipped into the cano, the posterior of the cano dipped an inch more into the sea. Donga's teammates resurfaced and poured more fine sand into the cano. When the back end of the cano was fully loaded, the paddlemen set out to the shore. They paddled the cano in unison. It was a tortuously slow process. The paddling took every ounce of energy from them. They paddled with a smile. They were topless. Their bodies glistened in the hot sun, making them look like sculptured pieces. They rode the cano in silence. They could only hear the sound of the hours gliding its way into the water. Didier brought out a stake of Benson and Edge's cigarette, lit it and took a deep inhalation. He let out the smoke slowly and smoked, curled and twirled in the open sea. A crow flew past and dropped a piece of poop in the boat. Didier let out a swear word. Bastard! Ansel leapt from the boat into the sea and came out 30 seconds later with a big sea brim fish. Ansa and Didier laughed at the luck of the unfortunate fish. Lunch was sorted. We always get blessed by these fellas. Yes, they understood the toils and sweat of men working for a living. Didier concurred. The half-smoked cigarette was passed to Ansa. He grabbed it and started his ritual. His smoking was more of a ritual. He took exactly five puffs and passed the glowing stick to Donga, who was resting on the sand. He was exhausted. No man, I'm not smoking again. It's affecting my stay in the seabed. I have to quit smoking for my health. That's good news, Didier said excitedly. More puffs from the homeboy then. They all cackled. The process of going to empty the cano and coming back for some more was a very tedious one. Once they arrived ashore, they will grab the spades and scoop the sand out and heap the sand at an allotted space. The middlemen would come, purchase the sand. The teeper truck will roll carefully down to load the sand and disappear in a fury. The teeper trucks were old and rickety. The thread in the tires of the truck were not visible. Each time the truck stopped, as it reversed to where the sand was stacked, somebody would place a piece of rectangular wood behind the back tires. The truck puffed and huffed smoke. Thick back fumes pervaded the air. 
these men knew nothing about pollution. The key word was survival. Donga turned the boat around and they went back to the sea to continue the process. The drive back to the sea was more relaxing. It was Didier's turn to dive in now. The sea current was swift. Didier let himself slide into the water and 20 seconds later he was out. The bucket was pulled up by Dunga. Ansa was keeping the Kano steady. Dunga wiped the water off his face. He breathed quickly. He had less stamina. He must quit smoking, he thought to himself. The empty bucket was let down and down went Dunga into the seabed. Dunga, Didier and Ansel were skilled divers. They were not necessarily excellent swimmers. They did this all day, six days a week. They got paid daily. Saturday evening, Didier and Dunga got paid their wages. They went home and changed into their casual outing clothes. They strolled down to Marvin Gaye's spot. They sat down and ordered for bears. The bartenders were young girls who winked at them. They ordered pepper soup and drank and ate merrily. They were happy for having work to do. They were hot cakes because they worked. They did not go to school. They did not speak fine grammar. They were skilled men. Men who knew how to wake up early in the morning and fight for their daily bread. They fed themselves, they clothed themselves, and from all criteria set out by their society, they were men. Men of courage, men of deed, men of character. They were eligible bachelors. Donga and Didier walked the sands together. They lived in a rented one-room apartment together. They had dreams. They lived together to cut costs. They shared the bills equally. Their one room had two mattresses spread on the floor. They had two standing fans and a ceiling fan. The room was divided into two halves with an unseen mark and each person had a section of the room to himself. They minded their business. They dreamed their dreams. Dunga wanted to own his own boats and rent the boats out to folks who were digging for sand in the sea. He wanted to be a successful businessman. He wanted to own his own house, marry Mercy, a girl whom he fancied. He wanted to raise a family. He wanted to help his poor mother in the village. He wanted to own farm plots. He just needed two years of working the sand and save money to be able to buy his farmland. Didier wanted to go to school. He was saving money to go to the big school in the city. He had finished his high school and his parents could not afford to send him to college. His dream was to work for two years, save as much money as he could afford for college. He hated the job he did. He felt exploited. He felt betrayed by his country and society. He wanted a better life for himself and he believed that education held the key for him. He walked the sand six days a week. Dunga was God sent. They lived together and dreamed together. They would save money for two years together and start their separate lives. Dunga was almost Dunga had almost gotten money enough for his first boat. Just two more months of work and he will, he will have his first boat. Didier had saved enough money for a year's fees at the university. And still had a long way to go. Donga had promised to help support him at the university with his business until he graduated and came and worked. Then he would pay him back. It was a deal. 
Donga bought his first boat and they started using Donga's boat for the sand diving enterprise. They were saving money now on boat hiring and sometimes they would rent out their boats on their off days. Things were working well for them. Anza had been off work for about a week. He went to the village to visit his mother. The trip was supposed to be for just two days. Anza was the professional paddler among them. His late dad was a boatman and continued the profession of his father. Tuesday morning, as the boys were getting ready to head into the sea, Anza appeared. What happened to you, man? My mother very sick. Me, I cannot leave her. This trouble me. Don't know what to do. He almost burst into tears as he narrated his ordeal. Why don't you take her hospital? Donga suggested. Me already take her hospital. More money needed for treatment. Me, I tell doctor. Treat my mother. Me, I go, go work. Come back with money to pay you. The sea was particularly rough these days. Didier brought out a stick of benzene and edges and lit it. And they all shared the cigarette except Donga. They rode till they got to where they mined sand. The first person to dive down was Ansem. The bucket was dropped first and he followed suit. After 30 seconds, Donga plunged in. Didier was watching keenly. The current was getting swifter. The boat was moving swifter too. Donga resurfaced and plunged in again. The signal was clear. Didier blew the whistle and in a jiffy, other canoes surrounded the area and jumped into the water. Intermittent dips and resurfaces were made. There were about 20 divers scourging the area looking for answer. The weather wasn't helping matters. The winds came from nowhere, then the rains. The divers did not give up. They searched far and wide. They expanded the areas for search. The clock ticked slowly away and slowly exhausted one by one in the rains. They climbed back into their boats and canoes. Their tears fused with the rains. Their hearts bled. Their bodies ached. They mourned inside. They dirged. Another soul gone down. This was the ninth person they were losing in three months. Who would pass the news to Anse's mother? Who would pass the news to Anse's family? Life can be so cruel at times. Didier brought out his benson and edges, tried to light it in the rain. Donga screamed, Answer! and plunged into the sea. The next day, the miners were back to work, hoping and wishing the news would arrive of the sighting of Answer's.